What is up, everyone? This is Quentin Carlin with the Self-Developed Life Podcast, and it has been the longest period that I've gone without updating a episode. You guys have no idea how crazy and chaotic my situation in life has been in the last number of months, Um, but that's what this podcast episode is for. It's a personal and professional update on exactly what's been going on where I was, where I am now, and what is going on in this crazy world. Long story short, um, the last episode I did was a couple months ago, and I think I'm just going to be starting like season two right now because of the hiatus that I took, but you'll hear everything that I went through, everything from the TED Talk that I was approved for, that just all the drama that's happened. Um, my my career life is over. I packed up everything uh, I had after nine years in Asia, and I did that in four days. Packed up my entire life and got on a flight um, that had a passenger infect, two passengers infected uh, in Tokyo to Vancouver with the coronavirus. Um, I was in quarantine for two weeks, even though I wasn't asked to. Um, it's just been a movie. Like literally right now during this quarantine, I'm actually writing a book of everything that's gone on in the last couple months. And just for my own <laughs> sanity and therapeutic self-healing and also to kind of like readjust to everything that's happened. Um, I'm currently in Canada and my Bali trip, my flight to Bali was canceled. I'm so glad I'm not in Bali right now because I think that's going to be a, a huge petri dish of disaster. I've got friends that are there that are trapped. Um, the whole world is in a lockdown. So to give people context, this is, uh, you know, end of March, 2020, and the whole world is basically shut down and no better time to relaunch this podcast. And I've got so much content that has been packed on my hard drive here that I can now finally pump out and I've got interviews lined up with some incredible uh, health professionals as well as entrepreneurs to kind of help people during these very trying times. Like this is, this is, this is warfare here that we're going through. Um, There's so many different spins. I'm going to take this, but this episode here today is all about kind of, you know, my personal and professional update of what's been going on. And if you're someone that's been feeling stressed, this will try and put your perspective, your situation in perspective, because everything I've gone through, I just got slammed by one thing after another repeatedly for like the last two months. And to the point where I pulled the plug and cashed out everything that I had and um, moved it all back to Canada along with my two suitcases and three boxes that uh, I have shipped. So that is that. I apologize because when I got the audio back, my hard drive was uh, full. So it actually didn't save the audio on my regular recording, but I always record this on um, my cell phone as well. So that's the audio that you'll hear. So it's not as good as usual. Um, and I will be posting this on Instagram. If you want to watch the video, the first like minute I'm wearing a mask. So the audio is really bad because I'm wearing the mask that I wore on the airplane that probably saved my life potentially because of the two passengers behind me that did test positive. So it's been an absolute gong show, which you'll hear here. Uh, this is just about um, you know, a 30 minute episode of just me relaying everything that's gone on. And especially if you're in a place where you might need to be evacuating or moving, this might give you some insight on how I did that 
and essentially packed up my entire life in about three or four days uh, in the middle of all of this because Korea was the first to get hit hard and uh, now the rest of the world is catching up. So I think I have a, a interesting perspective on what I went through there and what people can expect coming here now. So uh, go ahead and share this out because this is something that could really help literally save some people's life and expect a lot more podcasts coming out. The break is over. I'm going full throttle into uh, this new chapter of season two, okay? So without further ado, enjoy the episode. And the end got cut off abruptly because um, Instagram... uh, IGTV only lets 15-minute episodes, so um, I will wrap this up and continue the conversation in a new episode coming out shortly. Okay? Enjoy. Also, make sure you connect with me. This is on YouTube, uh, Facebook, uh, Instagram, so go connect with me and would love to hear your thoughts. This meeting is being recorded. And we're live. We are live. Welcome to the official Corona podcast, y'all. This was literally the mask. If you're listening on audio, you might want to watch this on YouTube or my Instagram, just Quentin Carlin channel, and you can see the outfit that I'm in. I have the the Corona special headgear on that I flew back from Asia to Canada. This is what I look like. Let me take this off. This is literally what I flew back with. So here we are. My uh, my mask is off now, but I flew from South Korea, Busan, to Tokyo. I was in Tokyo for a long time, it felt like, and then flew from Tokyo to Vancouver. And on that flight from Tokyo to Vancouver, two passengers that were sitting behind me. If you guys follow me on Instagram, you can check out the other photos on uh, one of my latest latest posts about the Chinese passengers sitting behind me that both tested positive for coronavirus. So if I was not flying with these precautions, I would have been a lot more paranoid than I already was um, because when I landed, the biohazard team and a whole quarantine Professionals came out onto the plane with hall hazmat suits and everything and were testing um, the two people that were of interest that apparently um, Somehow contracted the virus and I'm gonna get into that story shortly to kind of tell you exactly what's happened because the last literally I would say month of my life has been total total like out of a movie. It's been so crazy So I'm just going to back up. I'll wrap that story up uh, shortly, but this is literally what I've been wearing um, in public. (laughs) And people thought I was crazy on the airplane, but you should have seen the other passengers' faces when the bio team came on and took these passengers off. And then they were looking at me with kind of like admiration and being like, damn, I wish I had what that guy had. So sometimes it's better to be uh, prepared, like the Boy Scout model. Um, so I want to dedicate the first like few minutes here to make you guys feel better. I'm going to give you a <laughs> breakdown of the absolute insanity that's happened in my life in the past while. Um, to kind of just, I know everyone's really freaking out right now. And 
I just want to say that what you are going through probably is not as crazy as what I've gone through. And I'm just going to like walk you through it. I'm not like saying like a, a pity party or like, you know, trying to be a victim or like complaining here. I just want to like break this down because a lot of people are wondering, dude, why did you just pick up your whole life and move from Asia back to Canada? And it wasn't just for this virus. There's a number of breaking points and triggering situations that were like, dude, just get out of here. And I'm going to walk you through these because I think it's what a lot of people are going through right now. So just bear with me. And then I'm going to talk about where I think things are going to be going because I feel like I have a really unique perspective on this. Like my parents are like, you just came from the future because China and Korea were the two biggest epicenters of all this. And I saw what happened. I saw how things have been, you know, progressing or degressing. And I came back to Canada and I told my parents exactly what to prepare, what to do, what to expect, and all these things have happened. So I'm gonna kind of walk you through um, coming from kind of like the future perspective of this. And what I went through, you know, a few weeks ago is now what's happening here. So bear with me, I'll wrap this up for a full circle, but I just wanna kind of answer a lot of questions people have been asking, like why did you move, why did you leave? And I'm just gonna to be totally transparent and probably embarrass myself a lot through all this because some of the stuff has been like quite um, personal. So this is kind of like a personal and professional update. Uh, so all this craziness in my life kind of started um, end of November. So end of November, um, the first thing that happened was before that I spent the last five months preparing for a TED talk. I've never worked so hard on anything in my life than preparing for doing this TED talk. I put everything I had into it. It was the hardest I've ever worked on anything. Um, a week before the TED talk, I was in a relationship with a girl and I don't really get super close with a lot of people. Like a lot of my relationships are not very, um, I don't know, uh, long-term-ish, but this one kind of was. It was a number of months that we were together and I found out the same week I was supposed to do my TED talk that she actually cheated on me with one of my students. So she's not a university student, but she actually um, hooked up with a student, an international student, an older guy, uh, another foreigner. And a friend of mine um, knew him and knew that I was dating her and told me. So I went through this really intense breakup with her uh, just days before the TED talk that I was doing. Um, to just add more drama to the situation. So yeah, I went through a really bad breakup and then the TED talk, on the way to going to do the TED talk the day before the conference, um, literally the, not the TED organizers, but the university uh, hosts uh, contacted me and they wanted me to change a lot of, basically they wanted me to redo my whole talk. <laughs> like, I'll call it what it is. It, after five months of preparation that I had the audition, I did the rehearsals, I, everything was greenlit, right? Everything was approved, no problems. Literally 24 hours before the conference, these Korean university officials contact me and they're like, we need to change this, this, and this. I'm like, well, you mean you need to change, you need me to change the whole talk. After five months of preparation, you're now asking me to redo everything. So long story short, um, without telling me, I was on the, the train to go to this other city 
they pulled me, they canceled and censored my talk. They basically deleted me from the conference and another woman. So there's two of us out of the seven, I think, speakers got deleted, which is just the most unprofessional thing I've ever dealt with in my life. And I was crushed. And it wasn't the TEDx owners, the TEDx organizers were like on my side. They were fighting for me with these Korean university officials that wanted me to change this whole content, like last minute, like the most unprofessional thing you could ever experience. Long story short, I went to the event. They still wouldn't let me go on and I was crushed. Like I haven't cried. I'll put it this way. I didn't cry for the breakup, but I cried losing this TED talk opportunity because I had a book and a business I was going to be launching on the back end of it. So that really, really hurt. So that was going into the end of November, like the last week. Right after that, I found out that my building manager, he actually um, has been skimming per month. Uh, basically, I lost about $5,000. My old building manager pretty much somehow screwed me out of about five grand because long story short, they hooked up my water meter to like three other units in my building. So I was paying about three or four times what I should have been paying for water. And I've been living in this building for like six years. So you do the math, six years times, you know, a couple hundred bucks extra a month. It's about, I think it was about $6,000. So I was pissed about that. Um, being taken advantage of because who wouldn't be? Uh, and then now it's the end of November. I moved in two days. I found another apartment right on the beach next to my apartment. I moved in there Jan uh, December 1st. So I packed up my whole apartment in like two days, just left that, moved into a new, new apartment. And then finally I thought things were good. Uh, shortly after that, I started like this. I talked to a lawyer to try and get the, my money back from this building. It's going to be a long profit process, yada, yada. And I'm like, okay. So I signed a year lease on my new building. And then, uh, and then my university contacts me and they're basically saying that my contract is over and I need to reapply. And our, that happens for our whole department. They kind of canceled all of our contracts and all of us need to reapply. So I was like, okay, I've been working at this university for like seven and a half years. It sucks, but they're just doing this new protocol to give everyone an opportunity to reapply and so on. So um, I reapply and then I don't get an invitation for an interview. And I'm like, and all the other coworkers did, I was the only one. Long story short, there's some kind of miscommunication with my secretary that I thought I gave all the documents that I needed to, proving of my back, my background work experience and everything. Basically, they said that I was unqualified, which in reality, I was qualified. I've been working there for seven and a half years. And then they say, oh, it's too late. Hiring period's over. Sorry, you're no longer working with us. Your contract's over. Bye. So imagine literally giving seven and a half years of your life to a university and a career that you love. And then they just totally, boom, you're cut, you're out, just like that. The most, the second most unprofessional thing I've ever experienced on top of the TED Talk so I'm like, well, I talked to my, my coworkers. I talked to uh, two lawyers. I went to the labor board, Ministry of Education. Every single one of them said that what they did was incorrect and actually not right and illegal. So then I go ahead and start the legal process with the university and then um, trying to get my job back. And 
not so much that I want really the job, but I just felt like I was just so, uh, it just wasn't right. It wasn't morally the right thing that they did. And so I wasn't trying to like be vindictive and sue them for money. I was just like, look, like you shouldn't, I shouldn't, I shouldn't not be working here. Like this is wrong. So I go through the whole process and this is just like such a process. Imagine not speaking a language and trying to like mitigate in court and work with lawyers and all these documents in Korean and the government, you know, like a national university, it was a disaster. Um, and then Corona hits. <laughs> And this is where things get real, real quick. Um, I was following the situation pretty closely because I've got a number of friends in China and I was like very aware of how serious the situation is. And then the thing that made it really real for me is, is that this new apartment that I moved into, it's just close to the other one that I lived in right on the beach. And uh, I see all these police boats out like on Sunday morning or something. And then a friend of mine sent me this video of a guy who was driving, pulled his car over and jumped off the bridge. And now I'm seeing like police boats like fishing for his body. And this is in the middle of when things are just starting to get crazy with Corona in Korea. And I'm like, that is insane. And then I see another friend of mine post in a expat Facebook group about some guy on top of a building around like immigration, like threatening to jump. And I'm like, if this is what's going to be happening here, like the mass panic, I'm like, I want to get out of here and I need to get back to Canada or out of this country because right now it hasn't really hit anywhere else. It's just been like Korea and China and it just seemed to spread to China, um, spread from China and Korea because the Korean government never closed the borders to all these Chinese people that are always coming constantly into the country. You know, it's like China's neighbor. So I'm like, I just got to get out of Korea. So I made that decision that day and I booked a flight to Bali because I was going to leave Korea anyway. I was like, you know what? Do you really want to stay around here for a year doing all these legal battles and litigation? I was kind of ready to leave Korea anyway. Um, it just seemed like all these doors were closing and I was like, okay, well, look, this is obviously a sign. So I buy a flight to Bali and the flight is on like March 1st. And then I talked to a couple of my friends that are, I'm going to turn off the Instagram live right now. So if you guys are watching this on Instagram, you guys can just watch the, uh, the rest of this on my, uh, links in the bio. So I get the flight to Bali and then my friends are one guy's an airline pilot. The other is a girl that is a flight attendant and they're like, dude, like they're going to be shutting down flights. Things are going to get it really crazy real quick. And then, um, I was like, well, I have a flight to Bali. And they're like, well, that might not be going because I would suggest just getting the next flight out of here. So literally I packed up my entire life in like three days. So, and just remember, I just moved into this apartment like two months ago. So I still have like 10 months left on my lease. And then um, for like those three or four days from like Monday to Thursday, I, I have my aura ring here that tracks my sleep. I was sleeping one and a half hours to like four hours a night. Like I was on no sleep. So I packed up my whole life. And like the thing that was really scary was um, the last day, the last day I got a fever and I felt really sick. And I had to go and do all the last stuff this last day. So that means I had to go to the bank, send all my money back home. I had to get my pension and cash out my pension. That morning I wake up really early, I go to the pension office and there's these government officials there 
with like the the meter readers or like the temperature readers like to check if you have a fever and if you have a fever they, they don't let you in and I'm like holy crap they're not gonna let me into this government building to get my pension out so I knew that I wasn't sick from the disease. I knew that I was just sick because I was just destroying my body of stress and adrenaline and not sleeping and freaking out because I'm packing up my life of nine years in three days. So I get into the office and there's just all these problems happening with my accounts and documents I don't have and just all this. So I basically tell the woman, like, look, I'm flying out of here. And she's terrified. Like, the whole country is just freaking out. And the one thing that I got to say Korea did not do well is how they, what the government did, they started using the mass broadcasting of text message to every phone every time that they found a new patient and to give that location of where that patient was found. And I think that's why people were freaking out so bad and, you know, jumping off bridges and buildings because... Your phone's going off about literally once every 10 minutes of a new case. Ding, 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 ding. And just like everyone's in the coffee shops getting the same texts. And people are just like, oh my God, someone was found here like four hours ago. We have it now. So people are just panicking. But, and this girl, like I'll never forget, she was just like, just like terrified working at this government pension office. So I send it back to my cash. The whole time I'm like trying to sell everything out of my apartment. So I've got all these people coming over and buying like random stuff. And I'm also trying to rent out my apartment, which turned out to be a total freaking disaster. And which I'll get to in a second. And uh, so I go to the pension office, send back my pension. They're like, you'll get this money in a month. I'm like, okay, hopefully. <laughs> I'm still waiting for it. Um, and then the other thing was this guy that I got to rent my place, like literally problems with the building manager transferring the contract into his name. Long story short, I go to the bank like 20 minutes to like four o'clock and the bank's closed at four and I fly out the next morning at like nine. I gotta be at the airport. And I'm like trying to like wire everything back, including getting my deposit back and my key money and all this stuff. And this is like serious cash, you know, like it's, it's like a big deal. Um, I go to the bank like four, like 20 minutes left before the bank closes. And I'm trying to just close up all my accounts, my credit card, wire everything back to Canada um, and everything. And then uh, I go back home finally. And then I start getting like really sick. And my flight's in the morning and I call the pilot and the stewardess and they're like, if you're sick, they're not gonna let you on the plane. And I'm like, I gotta get on this freaking flight. And uh, so I basically biohacked my body into reducing my temperature. And I called up my pharmacist. I used to take this pharmacist session and told him like, look, um, and the thing is like, I didn't even tell her that it was me because I didn't want her to like report me because I don't know what's going on. Like, if they report me and I have these people show up my door and they take me to the hospital, you know, I'm just like, geez. So I'm like trying to say like my friend is sick, like what are the symptoms, what should he do? And then I'm just trying to lower my fever. So I go and I jump in the ocean to like lower my fever. I take some Tylenol and, uh, and then I just like try and get more than two hours of sleep that night. Uh, long story short, I go to the airport the next morning and I'm like calling the embassy. I'm like, hey, like, are you letting people out? Like, what's the deal? What's the support system like? 
and then um, I get to the airport. There's nobody at the airport. I've never seen a more empty airport like in my life. It's crazy. It's like spooky. Like I'm like, I don't even trust flying right now because there's nobody here. And then the other thing was like, I was closing my bank. I go through everything. I check in, I go through immigration and I'm waiting for them to like start testing people. I get through immigration and then I get a message from my secretary. She's like, I just deposited the rest of your money to your bank account. I'm like, I told you, don't do that. I close my account, send it to my Canadian account. So now I have to go back out through immigration. My flight's leaving right away because there's no ATM, like once you go past the uh, immigration. So I had to go back out and I was par paranoid that they wouldn't let me back in. Uh, but I, was, I had to go to the ATM to like withdraw this cash. And then, um, so I do that and then I get onto the airplane and the whole time I'm like, how are they not checking anybody? Like, this is really weird. There's like 20 people on the flight from Japan to, or from Korea to Japan, like super empty. Uh, and then I'm in Tokyo and Tokyo airport. Like I've been there a number of times. It's usually like crazy. Same thing. Nobody at the Tokyo airport. It was like surreal. And I'm walking through Tokyo airport with my mask and my goggles and people are like looking at me like, oh my God, what's going on with this tall white foreigner? And, um, and uh, I'm in Tokyo for a number of hours. And then the scary thing is, is when we finally get to Vancouver is uh, like, 11 hours later, I don't sleep at all in the plane because I'm still wired. I'm like, I don't know if they're going to let me into the Canada because I'm like, if I, and I'm like taking all these meds to try and keep my, not be sick because I'm like, well, when I get to Canada, am I going to be quarantined? Like I'm coming from South Korea. What's the uh, security going to be like? Like I want to, I don't want to, I want to go into quarantine almost because I don't want to be around my parents, you know, like if I picked up something on the plane and then we get to Vancouver and then the, the, um, the, excuse me, I'm tasting water. The pilot comes on and he's like, we have two, um, we have two, uh, we have two, <coughs> excuse me. We have two passengers that are showing symptoms we can't let anyone off. We've got the biotech um, biohazard team coming on, the quarantine experts to come in and test everyone. And I'm like, holy crap. And there's quite a few people on this flight actually from Tokyo to Vancouver is a lot more busy. So they come on and then they just go right to the behind me. Like I thought they're gonna be coming at me because I had the mask, but they go to work on these guys right behind me. There's these two Chinese guys that um, they're like with these two Chinese guys for like 20 minutes each. And I'm like, are they going to be testing everybody on this plane for 20 minutes? Cause we're going to be here on the runway for like hours. And then all of a sudden they're just like this kind of mass panic. So I think the one guy's test came up back and then they just like rush these two guys off the plane. Like immediately they take these two guys off and everyone's just like, what's that? Like, what was that? What's going on now? And then all of us are just sitting there like not knowing what's going to happen for like a long time. It felt like probably 20 minutes. And then the captain's like, all right, the situation's been de-escalated and dealt with. Welcome to Vancouver. And I was thinking that they're going to be like, look, these guys just tested positive. Nobody's allowed off the flight. We have to turn around and go back to Tokyo or Korea because that's what's been happening. Like I was reading how all these other flights from Korea 
get to the flight of their destination and then are turned around and then they go back and are forced to go back to Korea. Like it happened that just the day before a flight went left from Seoul, went to Israel. Israel did not let the passengers off the plane. The plane had to turn around and fly back to Korea. And that happened to like another place in Europe as well. So I was like, holy crap, I just finished like this, you know, like all in all, like a 20 hour round trip or 21 hour, 20 hour one way trip. I don't want to have to go back and go there. Like, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? So um, that was stressful. And then when they finally let us off, I was like so relieved. And then I finally went through immigration. No one did anything. So no one checked, no one asked anything. I was like, yeah, I just came back from Korea. And I'm like, I've got, I'm kind of paranoid about my health. There's these two guys behind me that just, I think, tested positive. No one had any information about these two guys. I'm like, there was no follow-up. I'm like, I'm just free to leave here. And they're like, yeah, have fun. And I was like, this is not fairly safe <laughs> or responsible. So I went to border patrol and I kind of checked myself into quarantine. I said, look guys, like, came from Korea, kind of kind of nervous. I don't want to be around my parents right now. And they're like, oh no, just, just go home and self-isolate. And they're like, if you have any symptoms and if you get worse, just call the health link. So I'm like, holy crap. So I text my parents and I'm in Vancouver for like a whole day. And then I have another flight that night to Edmonton, to Alberta. And I tell my parents, I'm like, look, I got masks for you guys. I'm not gonna to touch you. I'm not gonna hug you. When I see you, it's just gonna be like, you know, keep our distance. And then I do that and then I go and I call the health link because the border patrol told me that, that they will send someone to my house so that I don't have to go to the hospital to get tested. They'll actually send someone to my house um, and do the test. I was like, okay, good. So I call health link when I get back to the house and I'm like so tired by this point, but I'm like, I wanna get this taken care of. And then they're like asking me these questions. I'm like, I have all the criteria, you know, like I just came from like Korea. That's like the like the highest risk area now. Like there's like no flights going in or out. Um, you know, I had this, I didn't, didn't feel well before I left. My body was really run down. Two guys on the airplane from Tokyo to Vancouver were testing positive. Apparently, you know, like I should be getting tested. No, they wouldn't test me. And I was like, are you crazy? Are you serious? You're not gonna test me? They're like, well, no, you're, you're asymptomatic. You don't have any symptoms now. And I'm like, yeah, but that's not really the, the point. Like, you know, like I was exposed potentially. So I just finished two, over two weeks of self-quarantine isolation here. Kept away from my parents, you know, didn't really go in public and I've just been researching everything for the last two weeks. So that's kind of it. Um, on top of that, just to wrap up that disaster rental situation. So the guy that's renting my place turned out to just be a total, it's been a brutal. He ended up getting the passcode from, cause I actually had to pay for this month's rent myself and I was gonna try and rent out my apartment. He ended up getting like the, the door code for the building manager and it's kind of been like taking my possessions there hostage. So I've been dealing with this guy that's like kind of hijacked my apartment for the month that I've been, should have had able to try and make my money back to rent it out. But um, so yeah, that's what's been going on. That's the total transparent update with everything that's happened. Um, and I'll just kind of break down what I think is going to happen from here. I think that, uh, the good news is that I've been talking to a lot of my friends and stuff that are still in Korea and China. And it seems like once this peaks and once you get a, a handle on it, numbers go down. So what we've seen in Korea 
was it was going growing exponentially for like you know when I was like just basically when I was there and when I after I left but since then like the last two weeks or so things have really flattened off because they have probably the best medical technology in the world and the best medical system in the world by far I would say as well as they have disciplined people so the people were the ones that were following the rules my concern is I don't think North Americans are as disciplined and take this as seriously as they should um, to be able to just stay home and that's really what it takes so my tip for people is take this extremely seriously I've been talking about this for the past month um, and I've reached out to friends of mine like I've been getting messages from friends that I reach out to them like dude like thanks so much for giving me the heads up like they changed their flight plans they changed their you know once I told them how serious it was there they they took uh, they took action so I feel that things are not going to be as bad as people think however the economy is going to be the biggest hit all right so as you can hear things just kind of got abruptly cut there because the original audio i had i ran out of storage space on my hard drive but yeah i will be posting that next episode very soon so make sure you subscribe to the show share this episode out and thank you so much for sticking with me during this time and i'm definitely going to be putting out a ton of focus into this podcast now that i'm back in canada and stable and all the chaos is hopefully behind me now and i'm just so grateful to be home with my parents and really reassessing and reevaluating my life in the next steps i have some ideas of what that looks like and i'll be sharing those on future episodes um, i've got a number of guests that i have lined up here that are going to blow your mind as well so i'm back baby it feels great to be back on the mic after a long hiatus but that's life until next time.